Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field, or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp Price. Have you been thinking about making a change to your career path, but you don't know how to start the process? then listen to this podcast. My guest today is going to share with us her personal career journey. She's made changes along her career path, which has led her to where she is today. Let me introduce to you, Julianne Sullivan. Welcome, Julianne. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and excited to be here. This kind of is a little journey for us to get here. Yes, yes, it is. But those are usually the best. (laughs) Right. Persistence rules. (laughs) That's right. I'm just, I'm really intrigued about your career path because you started out, you went to school at California State University. Did you know when you started there that you were going to be in psychology or did you find your way while you were there? Well, it's interesting you ask. I first went to a junior college And there, I thought I was going to be an English major, but I had a teacher who gave me a D on a final because I didn't agree with something she had said, even though I backed it up. Uh Anyway, so that was my decision to not be an English. (laughs) You know, that's what happens, right? Yeah. Professor that either pushes you or whatever. And so then I had a really fantastic sociology teacher. He was an ex-Jesuit priest and he was, he was fascinating. And then I took a psychology class and was hooked. So by the time I went to Cal State Northridge, I became a, a psych major. And then, so you graduated from there with your BA in psychology. What, What were you planning at that moment to do with that degree? I had no idea. So I, I say that I I did what anyone else with the skills of a psych major did. I moved to a ski resort and became a maid. <laughs> so you go from English to psychology to ski a ski bar. resort. <laughs> yeah. And I spent seven years there. And I have to say, I've always said Mammoth, Mammoth Lakes is where I was. And it literally saved my life. It just made me a completely different person, gave me a new perspective. I feel like I lived a whole lifetime there. And my last job there was in bookkeeping, which I had never done. And I thought it was really fun. It was like a puzzle. Uh, So from there, I came off the mountain, as my mother (laughs) used to say, and I got my MBA in accounting. Because I thought it was fun. Some of the classes weren't fun. But anyway, um, I struggled through, but finally got my CPA designation and stayed in accounting and finance in many different forms for decades. Wow. So you were there in accounting for numerous years. 
Was there a defining moment at that point that you decided that you wanted again to change? You know, so you're not one, and this is what's so interesting, I think, about your story. You're not one to change jobs and stay in the same career. You change careers and you go from one side of the spectrum all the way to the other because right right lane left brain yeah yeah yeah, you really do like explore so like you are a a great example that somebody can start in one career and if they've had an interest or you know talk to somebody who just sort of inspired them into something totally different You've made it happen, which I think is just such a great story because so many people kind of get stuck where they are. Yeah, I've always, I'm not really one to jump off ledges, really, but in life, I jump off ledges. Now, my father was killed when I was seven. Oh my gosh. And so it does something to you. And it either, I think, stops you from doing things in life. Or makes you go, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. You know, what could happen, right? Nobody died if I changed jobs. So I was in accounting and I didn't want to learn anymore. And one thing I did know is that to get better, which I always strive to get better, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what you, you know, what you do, if you don't want to learn anymore, it's time to get out. So Mm. I want to go back to when I graduated with a psych degree because I made a promise to myself. I'd gone through a lot of quote unquote life courses to learn about human behavior every single day, a deliberate choice in some way to either learn about my behavior or others. So that journey was going on throughout all the time I was in accounting. Anyway, when I didn't want to learn anymore, I knew I had to get out. So I did. So at that point, what do you do? Where do you go from there being in a career for, you know, almost 30 years? What do you do? I know. Well, I had always done presentations. I was a certified Toastmaster Uh, in my lifetime as an accountant. I'd uh, written programs for continuing education and went to accounting offices and taught them and Other people had me do more ethereal presentations. And I had built on my own a file in my file drawer called a fuzzy file. And every time people would write me something kind or give me a, you know, testimonial or something about a presentation I made, I would put it in my fuzzy file. And I was cleaning out my drawers one day and I started reading and I went, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. Really? Having no idea what that meant at all. Wow. So began the journey. And uh, soon after that, I uh, joined the National Speakers Association because if you want to be good at something, you got to be around other people who are already doing it. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and so I went from speaker, trainer, coach, podcaster, author. Here I am. You know, I was going to read this, and I think I need to, because I think people need to understand the things that you have been doing over the last 10 years. So let me let me start. 
so eleven now eleven okay so podcast host joyology and laughter therapy trainer we want to go back to that in a minute c-suite network advisor trainer for hr education network certified virtual presenter and you started your catalyst of culture those tend to when you look at those those all kind of tie in together a lot more than psychology to accounting. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That what happened was is when I got out of accounting, I realized I had a very unique perspective to business, right? I understood people and I also understood business functionality. Mm-hmm. Right. And those two together was unique. And at that time in 2009, there was a new phrase called employee engagement, and it was a perfect fit for me, yeah. which grew into the employee experience, which is now under the umbrella of business culture. Wow. So that progression was really great. And I was now in a profession where I could do many different activities and serve people in many different ways, still utilizing the same knowledge. Wow. So I got to go back to it. What is Joyology and Laughter Therapy Trainer? Because that's such a cool title just to start. Yeah. So basically, I'm known as a certified laughter leader and trainer. And how I got there, you'll see, I, I get an itch and I just follow it. <laughs> So I was just beginning to speak. Maybe I was a year into it. I was reading my local paper and there was an article about a woman who did laughter circles at the library. And I've always been a joyous person, a positive human. Uh-huh. And I thought, ooh, I, that sounds neat. So I called her and she said, oh, I was certified by the World Laughter Tour. And I went, that's interesting. And she gave me another person's name in Pittsburgh, where I live, who was also a laughter leader. And I called him. And while I was on the phone with him, I signed up to be trained with the World Laughter Tour. Wow. I did that training 10 years ago. And then I took some more training so I could be the trainer. I don't know how many trainings I've done, but uh, yeah, it's in fact, now we're taking that training online. In the beginning, it was people who were retired and wanted something to do, but now it uh, is approved for continuing education credits for nurses, for recreational therapists, for case managers. Um, I know there's some others I'm forgetting quite a few, and we're starting to do a lot of work with the VA. What's the premise of the class? The premise of the class is to teach people, first and foremost, um, the research and science behind laughter and what it does for your mind, body, and soul. So it's very much based in science and research. Okay. And second of all, it teaches people or helps them find how to find their own true mirthful laughter from within and give them the ability at any moment in time to do this. (laughs) And really, really feel it. 
And we do this through classroom work and information and also through exercises. Some of your listeners may have heard of laughter yoga. Uh, Steve Wilson, who's the chairman, that's E-E-R, of the board, B-O-R-E-D, of the World Laughter Tour, studied with Dr. Kataria in India, came back, he's a lifelong psychologist, and decided that we should have some more structure than just doing exercises. And he came up with this concept of the World Laughter Tour and Certified Laughter Leaders. And part of that was something he created called Good-Hearted Living. Um, And Good-Hearted Living is six ways, which are connected to days of the week, that you can bring more joy and laughter into your life. Wow. It's wonderful. And I've gotten so much out of it as much as I've given to it. In this day and age and what the world is going through, I would say that we need a lot more laughter in our lives. Yeah. And gratitude. You know, in fact, I was just thinking today, I wrote a gratitude book years ago uh, called A Little Bit of Gratitude Goes a Long Way. And I think I need to do a new marketing push on it because it would probably be really helpful right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that we get so bogged down with the news and, and the bad news that we lose sight. Which is mostly what you hear yes, anyway. Yes, it's pretty much everything that we lose sight of of the good things. I think there's been a lot of positive out of the pandemic, which, you know, there's been a lot of bad, but I think that there's been a lot of positive just personally in my own family. We've we've kind of come together a little bit more. We've become closer. We eat more meals together. There's just a lot of yeah. different things that, that yeah. yeah, yeah, which, you know, in our busy lives, we sort of got away from all of that. So it's been nice in some respects. Well, interestingly enough, Saturday, while I was working out with a trainer online, I thought I was having a heart attack and I called 911. Oh, wow. And I was in the hospital Saturday and Sunday night. I just got out yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Only to find out I am an extremely healthy, really, really healthy person. They're not really sure what happened. Could have been a spasm, but they couldn't recreate it. So, you know, then it's like, I don't know. Um, But I had some kind of event, as they call it. Uh, But the reason I was bringing that up is because one of the actions I took while I was in the hospital was to write a bunch of people, selected people, and tell them what was going on. And then I made a list of things I was grateful for. Right? Uh, yeah. Because I've had a lot of practice at gratitude now, and I understand how important that is. So number one was, I did call 911. And I am not now dead on my living room floor. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's those types of things that we take, for, you know, we don't think about, but we need to think about them because that was great. Another one was, I got three whole hours with my son in the hospital uh-huh. to have lunch and talk and we played cards and, you know, we wore our masks and everything and we're safe. Yep. But, you know, I haven't had three hours alone with him in a long, long time. He's 26. He's going to get married in October and he's a oh, busy guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's exactly those moments that we in our busy lives without the pandemic, we just sailed through those things and we didn't stop and just breathe and acknowledge them. It's funny when I teach my laughter circles, and I do this a lot in my work with uh, culture, 
how in breathing is really taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And it, there's lots of research on just sitting at your desk or whatever you're doing and just breathing for just 30 seconds. That's why there's all these apps like Headspace and, yeah. and Breathe and Calm. And it's all about making you focus on your breath for a minute. It makes a profound difference in your attitude and the work you're doing. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you said that. I was just talking with a client the other day who's having uh, an interview tomorrow. And I said, what you have to remember, because she gets really nervous during those things, is get there 20 minutes early, sit in your car, and just breathe. Yes, I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah, and, and before you answer a question, just take a breath and think for a second instead of racing into the next moment. And I think that's what we tended to do was just keep racing from one moment to the other. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've watched Amy Cuddy and her whole thing on body language, you know, and the Supergirl or Superwoman or Superman stance and how that can really change your attitude when you go on stage or go into a meeting. And it it sounds stupid, (laughs) but it works. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I so what totally do you got agree. To lose, right? It's not like we're asking you to cut your finger off before <laughs> you go, right? We're asking you to, it's fun, it's funny how resistant people can be to easy steps. You know, and I'm sure you've found this in, in your, your business. People will say, well, don't charge too little because people won't think it's valuable. Yes. Right? Yes, yes they do. So it's the same thing with breathing or standing a certain way or whatever. Oh, that's just too simple to work. No, it really works. So that's a big part of the World Laughter Tour trainings as well, Mm -hmm. um, is to understand that one of my favorite sayings from Steve Wilson is, it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh. Because you have to make those deliberate choices. And I do that all the time with my work with business culture. There's a thousand different ways you can increase your engagement and and enhance your business culture. But you got to do one and you can even make, you don't have to make a giant leap. You can take one small step and continue that deliberately every day for a month to make a difference. Yep. And and I think that's true with almost everything. I think people look at the mountain and they don't look at just the first step to take absolutely. in the mountain. So I think that's absolutely true. And I think for what we're doing right now, we're talking about the changes that you've made. People could look at those changes and think, there's no way. I'm I've been doing this for 20 or 30 years. You know, I'm set in my ways. I'm I'm not going to be able to change and make a difference, make a different career change. But you, you make it look easy. (laughs) Well, I'm all about find your joy. In fact, I was talking to a good friend of mine last night. It was so sweet. She said one conversation we were having, she took something away that she keeps with her all the time. And it was that I said, do you find joy in what you're doing? And I think that's really important. We all have a finite number of amount of time on this earth. None of us gets to know what that is. And I think it's our responsibility to ourselves uh, to find joy. Now, I haven't always done it uh, because I'm human. Uh, I think we need to have my favorite word during this whole pandemic is grace. 
not only for other people, but for ourselves. Yep. And that's another thing I learned through my work with culture and through the, you know, it's funny, I, I went to become a certified laughter leader, and I got so many good life lessons and can continue to. And part of that is that we screw up. I just did my first live stream last week. And I talked about that. And at the end, I didn't know where to push the button to end the recording. And I looked right at the camera and I said, see, I screwed up and it's still okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that people think that everything has to be perfection. And if it's not, oh, it's not good enough. Yeah, it, re it really is. And when I coach, I have coach perfectionists. Uh, here's a funny story. There was a lady and she was oh, she was always frazzled because she couldn't get everything done. And <laughs> I will tell your listeners, you never get everything done ever. So just take that off your shoulders, you know, and, you know, do your three things that need to get done. One of the best lessons I learned from James Malinchak was, does this decision need to be made today? Because oh. most of the time the answer is no. Right. But uh, so I, I asked this perfectionist, this is funny, to make a sign to put on her desk that says, I'm not going to get it all done because I wanted her to teach herself that that was OK. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, she sent me this art piece, right, with borders. It was hysterical. <laughs> it was hysterical. But she's, and I said, I want you to keep it up for 30 days. And of course, by the end of the 30 days, she goes, oh, and it's okay, because if I didn't have anything else to do, I wouldn't have any new work. She had a business, right? Okay. That means I wouldn't have any new work. And it helped her focus on what did need to get done instead of trying to, so she became more productive, right? Yep. And uh, it, it was just really interesting. Another person I coached, I asked her to make, she was staying up to like two in the morning for a company that didn't care. And she was doing it all the time. And she would never tell them, oh, I can't get this done in a day. No, she just stayed up two in the morning. So I asked her to make a schedule of how she was going to work. Not saying that people shouldn't put in extra time. But if you always do that and the people you work with don't know that, then they just expect it. And it's your fault, not right. theirs. Right? Mm -hmm. So. I asked her to make a schedule. Now, my schedule, so, of course, she sent me this, this um, chart, right, with like every half hour what she was going to do. And I laughed, and uh, I'm coaching her. So I sent her back, and I said, that is beautiful. I just want to let you know what my schedule would look like. And it was like morning, afternoon, evening. You know? <laughs> but everybody's different, right? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what, sometimes they think that because they have a schedule like that, that they're very efficient, but they're not. They're not as efficient as just knowing that you need to get something done in a block of time. Exactly. And what can you do to make sure that happens? Because if you, to me, the more rigid you are, listeners, the more rigid you are in any part of your life, whether it's bringing up your kids or what you do at work, or how you go grocery shopping. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying life will be more frustrating for you. I can guarantee that. Yes. Because you don't do anything in a bubble, and things get in the way. That is, you know, I used to always say, if you're late, you'll always get behind a slow truck. 
that's the universe trying to tell you you should have been on time. And that is absolutely true. I was just thinking in my head when you were talking about that, if <laughs> if you need to get somewhere at a certain time, the the lights, the trucks, everybody will be in your way and slowing you down. If you yeah. know that you need to get there around one o'clock, right. you'll, you'll get there early. It'll right. be a clear sale. Well, and the thing is, is it's an opportunity, isn't it, for you to either say, oh, those damn lights and there was so much, as opposed to what I really try and do is look inside of me. How could have I made this experience different? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. That's what I think is really important for people to do. When things don't work out, what could you have done different? Because you you can't, if COVID hasn't taught us anything, we're not in control of a lot. Yeah, that's right. And, and then it's time to look within and which I've gotten pretty good at, not perfect because I'm human, but I've gotten pretty good at because I've been doing that deliberate choice of human behavior every day for, I don't know, it seems like a century. Uh, what could I have done differently? Right. I was feeling bad about being in the hospital. Like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. And then I was like, well, would you rather have something be wrong with you? And all the cardiologists said, oh, you absolutely did the right thing. Hmm. Because even if it was a spasm, it might have gotten worse, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure. So, you know, it's funny how we deal with ourselves. But going back to what you were talking about, about making a change, it is common that people get really comfortable, quote unquote, with the devil they know, right? This is a situation I know. And the longer you're in a situation, I was in a marriage probably 17 years too long. So I totally know this story. Um, and, but you just, you get more comfortable and yeah, but I know how to deal with this uh-huh. and I don't want anyone. I, I wasn't married to an abusive person by any means. So anybody who knows my former husband, he's a nice guy. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want anyone to go off on a tangent on that, but regardless, so that just happens. And Again, we have to look inward. What would happen? Now, of course, people are going to be on this call and say, well, I have a mortgage to pay. I can't just quit. No, but could you look for a new job? Yep. And I always say, why not look? The worst you could say is I'm not interested. Right. And that's kind of like um, people will say, you know, I don't know about, should I go for this interview? Yeah, you should go for the interview because you don't know, you might talk to the person and they might know somebody, you might learn something about the job, you might know, they might talk about a different position that might be available. So, and you get better you at doing something it. something about yourself that you need to learn if you want to do that, right? If you yes. go for an interview and they say, well, I'm just going to use this, which probably everybody else, but we, we look for really strong Excel um, um, capabilities. And you might be able to say, well, what does that mean to you? Right? Because mm-hmm. that to some people, it may mean pivot charts. And on another, it might mean macros. And, and another, it might just be sorting, right? So you could ask that question. And you could, oh, wow, I don't know how to do that. I better learn how to do that if I want this kind of job. Right. So looking back at at the changes, at the moment that you decided that you were going to make those different changes along the way, what got you unstuck or what pushed you to the next level? Was it conversations that you were having with people? Was it 
because you talked about you weren't learning anymore in counting, so you wanted to grow. I didn't want to learn anymore. You didn't want to learn. Okay. All right. That's when I knew I had to get out because I didn't want to learn anymore. And you always have to keep learning no matter what you do. Were you so aware of the things that were going around you that you saw opportunities that you might have missed if you weren't really paying attention? Because, you know, people will say there's there's nothing that I can do with the background or the experiences that I have, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and but they might have a conversation with somebody that says, I'm looking for this person, you know, and I haven't been able to find them yet. They don't understand that they might have that capability within them, but they completely have a blind eye to that. They don't they mm-hmm. don't see their potential. But I get the impression that you saw your potential in many different ways and that you continue to. You can pivot almost in any direction you, you want to go to, really. Like it's the world is is a canvas. If I'm willing to put in the work. Yeah. Right. If, I, I mean, I would go after being an engineer if I was remotely interested in being an engineer. <laughs> That's something you've got inside inside you. If yeah. for those people, and I've I've talked to a lot of people, mostly women who have maybe raised their families, taken a break from their careers, now are bored. You know, the kids are and they want to do something and they don't yeah. know what they can yes. do. It happens so much, right? And I think again, they have to take a good look inside, maybe work with a career coach. That would it's be me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh-huh. right? Talk to somebody who can ask the right questions like Karen That's right. to uh, solicit uh, the information that maybe you have inside of you that that you don't know. And really, we didn't do this as a big commercial, but no, um, but-, <laughs> but it's really true. I happen to be the kind of person who will jump off a ledge, you know, in life. I just do it. Um, if you've ever watched the 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 first uh, big um, video uh, TED Talk by Brene Brown on vulnerability and how important that is to really feel joy, yes. even though you can really feel pain. When I watched that, I was weeping in front of my computer going, oh my God, I've been proven in research. <laughs> that, that's just who I am. But uh, other people, I, I think there's a lot of people like that who don't understand that. Here, here's an example. Somebody called me the other day for the, a dream job. Like I never would think of taking a job, but these people came to me and I thought, oh my, they asked me, why, why would you do this? You know, cause you have your own business. Uh-huh. And I said, this would be a dream job. And I asked them cause they came to me through LinkedIn. There's plenty of people on LinkedIn. Yep. She said, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, why me? And she said, oh, because you have the combination of coaching, but you also know business. Now, I didn't get that job, but I got to tell you, I was really flattered. (laughs) It's a multi-billion dollar company. So that was cool. Um, But that's the thing. Sometimes you don't know what you like. And honestly, now, if you have an art talent, you can go on Etsy and be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That will never be me. I can do little bits of art. Yeah, I got a lot of really talented friends. You'll never see me on Etsy, I promise. 
So maybe there's something there that you like. You just have to really discover or prompt yourself to write about different parts of your life or what you do. Or like I said, get a coach because a coach is outside and is going to ask you questions that you wouldn't even think of asking or you wouldn't think would give relevant information, right? Yes. Yes. And I'm assuming that's what you do. Right. Is you can ask those questions that say, oh, it's kind of like taking a test where they say, oh, you'd be a good scientist or you'd be a good. Yes. And so that's what a coach can do. They could say, you know, have you ever thought about? And unless you go, eh, I would never do that, it might be a good idea to at least do some research on it. Meet other people who are doing that. Maybe there's, Maybe there's a group of people online or whatever in a Facebook group that you can get into just to see what they're saying. You don't have to engage at all. You know, let's say, I don't know, there's probably a group on a Facebook about being an Etsy entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Go in there, see what people are saying. I mean, I'm just using that as one. Maybe you could be a coach. Maybe you like to work out. What would it take for you to become a trainer? All of the trainers are online now. So you can't use COVID as an excuse anymore because everything's right. being done online. You just have to discover what brings you joy. What are your passions? And can you create a business around that? And how long would it take? Would you have to have a side job part time so that you could build this up? Would you have to keep your job right now that you've decided you don't want to spend another 10 years at while you're building this up on weekends or nights? Will it take extra time? Yeah, but that's what being an entrepreneur is all the time. Or I used to uh, speak to teachers and some teachers really didn't like their job, but they liked their pension. They were honest. Mm -hmm. And I would tell them, then remember, you're here for your pension and find some joy. Now, I don't particularly think they make the best teachers, but don't complain about your job because you've decided to stay for the pension. Right. Right. That's where it comes back to you. Then if you don't really like your job, but the pension is higher on the pro list, right? That's mm -hmm. why you're staying pension then it's your responsibility to find some joy. So even if you're in a job you don't like while you're building up something up, find what's joyful about their job. It's got to be something and just focus on that. Both of us, I think, are coming from the same um, place. We both really genuinely love what we do. And when we start talking about it, you know, we just like light up like this is fun. Like I, I was talking to somebody the other day and, you know, they don't they just don't know what they want to do yet. And that's fine. But I'm like, when you're ready, I'm ready. Like this is going to be fun. <laughs> like, And they're looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. But it, it is to me to find I Passion. want I want everyone to find something that makes them as happy as I am. And, yep. you know, we've all been in jobs where we might not be as happy. But when you do get into something that you love to do, you don't ever want to go back. You don't ever want to feel the way that you felt. You don't want Sundays to be like, oh boy, you know, right. trying to get ready for a Monday. You want to be Sundays, I can't wait till Monday starts because I've got this and this and this going on and I want to do this. Like that's that's exciting. That's fun. It's, it, it's funny you say that because when people ask me for my definition of business culture, good business culture. I say it's when your employees are 
wake up in the morning and go, I get to go to work for XYZ company as opposed to, oh, hell, I got to go back in or I got to do work for, you know, it's that change in attitude. It's getting people to want to come and do their best, not only for the company, but for themselves and their customers and clients. That's what good culture is all about. Yeah. And, and I think there's a huge need for business culture coaches and experts because a lot of people go just for the paycheck because they have responsibilities at home, might be a yeah. single parent. Like there's, there's Absolutely. A, and those, those reasons are all extremely valid and extremely important. But if they can also find something that they love to do, you know, and, and you were talking about how, you know, maybe they need it for the pension. But they can also find something on the side that keeps them happy and entertained and interested so that when they have to go in to do something that they have to have the paycheck for, they know that when they get out, they can go do something that's really enjoyable. Exactly. And that can, there's a million and one areas they can volunteer in to get that joy. I want everybody to get some, some joy. I realize that. You know, some people are much less privileged than others and they're doing work or or they need to stay in work that that gives them their basic needs. I get that. And but there are other ways. And I have never for myself and most people I know ever found a better way to find joy than serving others. Absolutely. I totally agree. Because when that client calls me and says they got that job, the dream job, like that's, that's all I need. That, yeah, that takes me to the next client. And I just keep moving on because there's nothing better than that. Yeah. When I used to speak, you know, to big rooms, if I always used to say, if I had one person that came up to me and said, that's what I needed to hear today. Thank you. I was good. Because I know there were others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> came up to me or not, but this person. And I always appreciated people who, who anytime, even now, when my friend said last night, I always think about you saying, is this making you joyful? I went, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm always appreciative when people make the effort uh-huh. to say thank you or you help me in this way. Or I think that's just as important as, uh, you know, because it takes effort for people to do that. Yeah, and it's showing gratitude, and it makes the world a little bit kinder. So absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, what does the next ten years look like for you? What are you? Do you have things that you still are reaching for? Oh wow! Well, yeah, I'm always trying to be a better human. Uh-huh. I mean, um, I'm always trying to be a better human, not only to the outside world. I'm probably better at it for the outside world than myself. <laughs> Although I'm getting really good at it. It's uh, every January, I have a big goal, just a big ass goal that's going to take me usually about August. I go, okay, I'm getting this now. You know, it's just something long term. So on my wall over here on a hot pink piece of paper, my goal for this year, who knew, was on January 1st, accept the things I cannot change. That was my big lesson. (laughs) You should have told us all that. (laughs) Yeah, really. I know. It's clairvoyant. You know, people are mad. Why didn't you tell me that? Uh, So I got that one pretty fast. I've got that down now pretty well. Wow. Pretty well. So anyway, so what's in the future? I'd like to write a more personal book. I've thought of the 
the title from riches to rags and back again twice because I've had a very privileged life and then a hardworking life. <laughs> I know those probably aren't different, but to me they were. And then a privileged life and then a hardworking life. And for me, honestly, every time I had less money and worked harder, I I had more joy. So I'm not sure that works for everybody, but it's worked for me. Yep. Yeah, so I, I like to do that, or I have a book I wrote called Life Lessons, and I'm thinking about getting putting that out again with some illustrations. So another book, but more personal as opposed to business-oriented. And I just did my first live stream. That's exciting. And my goal, my goal is to get on LinkedIn Live, and I kept trying to get on LinkedIn Live, and then I realized I had nothing live to show them, so they would never accept me. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cart before the horse. <laughs> so instead of my podcast, which I had 236 episodes for, wow. I'm doing live stream. And eventually, what I'd like to do is have uh, an inner, a very short interview going back to some of the 63 C-suite uh, executives I talked to about creating and sustaining great cultures to see how they've utilized what we talked about to get through this crazy, crazy time we're going through right now, but short, like five minutes for them. That's it. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be really interesting. I, I already talked to Gary Ridge from WD40 and he said he would definitely be my guest to do that. So go back to him. He's a great guy. He's got a incredible tribe. And he said, well, will you tell me the two questions up front? And I said, well, it's going to be, what did you have going that really helped? And what was surprising? And there anyway. were a lot of surprises. Oh, yeah. Like constantly. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Game changes. Um, I like the word challenge better. Change. Everyone cringes. Challenge. It sounds like something you can overcome. Yes. And we are definitely overcoming it. That's for sure. I always ask my guests at the end of the podcast to give three pieces of advice and for you, because you've made it look very easy, but you have transitioned and you've pivoted and you've kept your career very uh, modern and up to date. And I would like to know what kind of advice would you give somebody who's sitting there right now, who's been working in their career for a number of years, they're just not feeling it, they're not really growing much, and they always wanted to try something different. What kind of advice would you give that person? Okay, I got three words for him. Okay. First of all, be persistent. Whatever it is you want, be persistent. Just keep moving forward, whatever that looks like. When you get kicked in the knee, just keep moving forward. When you get kicked in the head, keep moving forward. Persistence, that's my middle name. I would have never done any of these changes without being persistent. Next, which was very hard for me to learn, but I'm pretty good at it because remember, I'm human. Be patient. Nothing happens in a minute. And we live in a world where you want to know something, you pick up your phone and you Google it and you find out maybe, um, you know, what you want to know. And we are really getting that lesson with this pandemic because if you look at research, it takes time. There's no way to make it fast. It's called a novel disease for a reason, right? So be patient in your life. Things do not happen in an instant. 
And the more patient you are, the more you will allow yourself to learn valuable lessons over time. If you're rushing through, you're going to miss really important information and signs for you about how to take your next step. And last, but definitely not least, is be kind. Be kind to people who help you and be kind to yourself and know that any movement out of your world that you have right now is going to take a little bit of getting out of your comfort zone, maybe a lot, but the more you get out of your comfort zone, be kind to yourself, do a little dance and say, yay me, I took this step. (laughs) That's all great advice. And I think that they really need to take some time, breathe and think about those three things, because those are heavy concepts and things to think about if you don't do those things for yourself. Persistence, patience, and be kind. Be kind above all. And to yourself, I just think that's just so very important. We're all our own worst enemy, our worst judge. And you're human. It's okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This was really fun. Uh, I got to learn a lot more about you than than our previous conversation. And I enjoy it. You are an inspiration to so many people. And so if someone wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect? If you go on Google or wherever you do your searching and you put in Julie, J-U-L-I-E, second word, Ann, A-N-N, no E, Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N, you will get pages and pages and pages of me. <laughs> and just go to my website, juliannesullivan.com. My email and uh, phone number is on every page of that website. There is no way I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. YouTube. Okay. That's great. Facebook. So if, if you're somebody who wants to learn more about how to laugh, if you're a company who needs to really strengthen their culture, you need to, to have a conversation with Julianne and, and have her come in and help your organization. This is the time for change. This is a great opportunity right now to make some big changes before everybody comes back into the workforce full force. So, And I am happy to have a short conversation with anyone. So okay. it's not like you call me up and I go, okay, that'll be... Yes. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate all the time today that you take to, to share fun. your story. I love talking to you. Yeah, this was great. For those listening to this podcast, if you're tired, if you're frustrated, you're feeling stagnant in your current career, and you've thought about finding something that challenges or excites you, then contact Sharp Human Resources. We can certainly help you through your guided assessments, conversations, research, so that you can explore and discover new career paths. Sometimes you just need someone to talk things through with, be given direction, and then things start to fall into place. So do yourself a favor, go to Sharp Human Resources-Buffalo.com and contact us today. Until next time, be kind, everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.